Before we get started, I just want to jump off that ministry minute and really encourage you as a congregation to buy tickets and go ahead and see the show at Romeo and Juliet, which will be performed right at the Hazel Theater right across the street here. It'll be happening on August 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th. And I just encourage you to you can go out into the foyer today and get tickets. We're selling them out there in the foyer. And also we gave you information in the bulletin how you can buy and purchase tickets. And go and bless the kids, and I'll guarantee you they're going to bless you. Today at 2 o'clock, we're also going to be doing Urban Impact Live right next door at Hazlett Theater. And I'll tell you what, I was there last night. I got my whole phone blown up on Friday, really encouraging. It is an absolute musical extravaganza. I mean, there's dancing and singing and so on. It's amazing. You will be blessed. Happens at 2 o'clock. Come join me, and let's continue to bless and impact kids. You know, you've always been a congregation. I've been here 33 years. And by the way, my name is Pastor Ed Glover. I'm, you know, okay, just so you know. But anyway, Blaine told me I had to say that because I, I don't know. But here's the deal. We've been here for a long time, and you've always been a congregation that really supports children and youth. Always have been. And there's not a better time for such a time as this to be out encouraging, supporting young people who want to walk with Jesus Christ who are out there doing everything they can to live for him. And that's who you're going to meet today if you, you go over there. You're going to encourage them. Next week, you'll encourage the kids that are trying to do it right. They're trying to swim upstream rather than with everybody else. And we as the body of Christ need to get behind those people and encourage them in their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You are a great congregation, and I know you'll show up, and I thank you for it. And you know I love you, and you know I believe in you. And I count it an honor and privilege to open up the Word of God to you. I really do. We're going to be looking at I Am the Vine today. That's the title of the sermon. And the, and the passage we're going to be looking at is John chapter 15, verse 5. We're going to look at just one verse, but we're going to look at a number of verses in the Scriptures. But John chapter 15, verse 5. If you have your Bibles, turn there or turn your Bibles on or watch the screen. And let me read this verse to us today. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I'd ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin. And you would fill me with your spirit. And Spirit of God, you would speak through me to your people and we as your people wouldn't just be hearers of your word, we'd be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So who's the vine and who's the branch? Well, the scriptures are very clear that Jesus is the vine and the branches are those who follow him. Those who follow him. So what is Jesus saying when he says that he's the vine? He's saying that he is the source of life. Life victorious, abundant, life now, and for all eternity. He's saying he is the source of life, true life. He's also saying that this life is not found in possessions. It's not found in traditions or family or good looks, or degrees, or finding the right man, or the right husband. 
It's not found in having the right woman or the right wife, the right kids, the right job, the right car, the right house, the right church. By the way, you're in the right church. (laughs) All of these things are part of life, but they don't bring us life. The one who brings life to you the way that Jesus is talking about, victorious, abundant, eternal life, is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. He alone. He is the life, now and for all eternity. He's the vine. Now, who are the branches? Well, throughout the Gospel of John, there are many times that Jesus makes the declaration, I am. He says, I am. Why does he call himself the I am? In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is out in the wilderness with God, and he asks God, what's your name? And God responds, and he says, I am that I am. So what Jesus is saying every time he says, I am in the scriptures, he's declaring that he's God. He is the I am. He is God. Each time in the Gospel of John, he makes this statement. Every time he says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the door or the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And each time he makes those statements, he's declaring that he is God. But he's also giving an opportunity for those who are listening to him, an opportunity for salvation. He's giving them an opportunity to know him in a personal way. But in our passage, in John chapter 15, he's not speaking to unbelievers there. He's speaking directly to the disciples. He's speaking to believers, followers of him. He's not talking about how to be connected to the vine. He's talking to those who are already connected. He's not talking about how to become a Christian. He's talking to Christians about how to be productive, how to bear fruit. So Jesus is the vine and the branches are those of us who follow him. So let's keep going in our verse. It says, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. What is Jesus talking about when he says fruit here? Well, let me first of all tell you what he's not talking about. He's not saying that this, the fruit is evangelism. Not what he's saying. He's not talking about winning people to Jesus Christ. Now look right here. However, it is absolutely essential, critical as believers that we win people to Jesus Christ. For that's the mission that Jesus Christ gave to us. But that's not what he's referring to here. That's not the fruit. So what is the fruit? The fruit is Jesus' fruit. Can you say that with me? Jesus' fruit. What does that mean? It means the life of Jesus is being reproduced in the believer. The life of Jesus is being reproduced in the life of the believer. It's Jesus' fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit, you can say it with me if you, if you know it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self-control. Good job, church. Good job. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit or the characteristics of Jesus Christ. The character of Jesus. And 
what it's talking, what he's talking about is that that's the fruit should, that should be reproduced in the believer. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. So if that's the fruit, how's that happen? How do you, how does that fruit get produced in a believer? Well, our verse tells us. It says, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. So talk, talking about remaining in Jesus. Remain can also, be inter, can also be translated to continue, to abide, to be rooted in, to be completely dependent. This morning we're going to use the word abide rather than remain. Because it ha- takes a, it's, a, it's just a stronger connotation about being rooted, about completely being dependent on Jesus. So what's it mean to abide? To abide in Jesus is to abide in the Holy Spirit, is to, is to walk in the Holy Spirit. To abide in the Spirit is exactly the same as walking in the Spirit. So when you abide in, in Jesus, you are abiding in the Spirit. When you abide in the Spirit, you are abiding in Jesus. It's synonymous. It's the same. And why do I say that? Because in John chapter 14, Jesus says this, I'm going to leave. He's talking to his disciples. I'm leaving, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And Thomas speaks up and says, you're leaving us? How? What do you mean you're going to leave? You leave us. How are we going to make it? If you're gone, how are we going to make it? And Jesus responds in John chapter 14, verse 16, and he says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The word another means another of the same kind. What Jesus was saying, I'm not going to give you a cheap substitute. I'm going to give you someone same as me. Who's he introducing here? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, remember, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. They all have their own personality, their own personhood. So we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about Star Wars, you know, the force be with you. Holy Spirit isn't a force. We're not talking about Casper the ghost. It isn't the Holy Spirit the ghost. It's not talking about it or the Spirit of God is a thing. We're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about a divine person. And Jesus is saying, listen, I am going to send him. He'll be another helper. But unlike Jesus, Jesus could only be with his disciples. But he's saying, when I send, when we send, the Father sends the Holy Spirit to you. He'll not only be with you on the earth, but he will live in you. Look what he says in verse 17. Verse 17, he says, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Notice that Jesus here uses personal pronouns every time he's talking about Jesus. He's not a force. He's not a ghost. He's a person, a divine person. And it says that he lives, he will be with you. That's present tense. But then he says, I will be in you. That's the promise in the future. Now let's bounce forward to chapter 15. Jesus is talking to his disciples. You've got to remember that this is the night before Jesus is going to be crucified. When he's talking to, to the disciples in our passage, he's going to be crucified the next day. 
So the disciples have not yet experienced the promise of the Holy Spirit. That has not happened yet. He is not living in them. With them, yes, but not in them. But then it says this. It says in chapter 15 that he's speaking to them, and then we know the story. We know that he's arrested that night, then he's crucified, he's buried, and then three days later he walks out of the grave. He's resurrected. And when he walked out of that grave, he made it possible for anybody who calls upon his name that they would be saved. He made that possible. But also when he walked out of that grave, he came up to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and he said this. He said, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak of. What's he referring to? Back to chapter 14, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he's going to come. He's not just going to be with you like I am. He's going to be in you. And we know that what happens in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are up in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes. And he comes not just upon them, but he comes and he dwells within them. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they are transformed forever. You know what that means? That means today, anybody who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ, anybody who receives Jesus, in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells every believer. Here I'm talking about God coming and dwelling within you. The Bible says the moment you were born again of the sport, the moment you received Jesus Christ, you were born again of the Spirit. The Spirit of God came and took up residence in your life. He lives within you. Look back at verse 16 in John chapter 14. Jesus goes on and says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. The word advocate can also be translated enabler. So what Jesus is saying is this, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, he's there to help you. He's there to enable you to do what? Enable you to bear fruit. Enable you to live so that the life of Christ can live in you. So that you can take on the very characteristics of Jesus in your life. That Jesus can reproduce his life in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. That that thing could happen for every believer. Because there is the Holy Spirit to enable you, to help you. You know, there are a number of ways. Because when you look at this and you say, okay, he is there to enable me. So that's how I am going to abide in the Spirit. If I'm going to abide in Christ, I need to abide in the Spirit. And if I'm going to walk in the Holy Spirit, then I am abiding in Jesus. Okay, I get that, Pastor Ed. But how in the world do you abide? How do you walk in the Spirit so that you can bear this fruit? Well, there's many ways you can do that. But because of time, I can only give you three basic fundamentals of how you walk in the Spirit. You ready? Now, usually when I say fundamentals like that, those of you that have been in the church for a long time, you're going... Oh, come on, Pastor Ed. Really, are we going to go back to the fundamentals? We've heard these fundamentals forever. I've heard them a thousand times. Really? Many of you know that I played baseball, and I played baseball at a very high level. And 
in the early years, I kind of questioned the importance of going over the fundamentals of baseball in the beginning of every season and throughout the season. But then when I moved from competition to competition, and that competition got more intense and more fierce, I began to really appreciate and respect all the coaches that made me then and in my past go over the fundamentals of that game so that when I'm practicing them and I'm doing them, they just are part of my life. I mean, when you're practicing them over and over and over again, you don't have to think about it. It just comes to you automatically. Automatically, you just, you're there. It's like breathing. You just do it. You've done it so many different times, it just comes to you. And you're able to do the fundamentals. It's true in the Christian life. Listen, if you are not putting these fundamentals in practice, and if you're not part of your life like you breathe, They just are part, it's your lifestyle, it's just who you are. I'll guarantee you, when the world, the flesh, and the devil increases the intensity and it becomes fierce, you're not going to bear fruit, my friend. You're not going to be able to do it because it's not part of your life. You're you're not putting these into practice every day where they're just part of who you are. You're not going to make it. You won't even be on the field. You won't be in the game. You won't bear fruit. So how about if we go back to spring training today, huh? Let's go back, let's relearn, let's put into practice the very basics of walking in the Spirit so that we might honestly bear fruit. Here we go. First principle, first fundamental is this. In order for you to bear fruit and to walk in the Spirit, you've got to be convinced that you cannot live the Christian life. You've got to be convinced that you cannot live the Christian life. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 5. He says, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So why can't you do anything? Because if you are a believer, you're a branch. And if you're a branch, you have to totally depend upon the vine because the vine is the one that gives you life and the vine is the one that bears the fruit in your life. Apart from him, you cut off the vine, you cut off the life. You cut off the life, you don't bear fruit. So you have to come to that place in your life that you understand that you cannot live the Christian life. And you're convinced that the only one that can live the Christian life is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can do it. And the only way that's going to happen is if you are rooted, you are abiding, you are completely dependent on him. How? By walking in the Spirit. Because abiding in the Spirit is abiding in Christ. To abide in Christ is to abide in the Spirit. You've got to walk in the Spirit. You know what? This this past yesterday... I met a, a young girl that has been part of Urban Impact for a number of years. She goes to church here. And she looked at me and she said, Pastor Ed, I'm a single mom. I've got a number of kids. She says, there's no way I could make it. No way I could live. No way I could make it if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. If I did not depend upon him, there's no way. And she goes, you know, I'm a caseworker. And I'm out with so many women that are single moms. And I can't talk to them about Jesus. But then they begin to watch my life. And sooner or later they'll ask me, how do you make it? You're just like us. How do you make it? And then I get to tell them about Jesus. Because Jesus is my life. That's the only way I'm going to make it. 
She gets it. She gets it. But Luke moves us to number two. If we understand that we cannot live the Christian life, that the only one that can live the Christian life is Jesus Christ, then how do you stay abiding in him? Number two, you've got to surrender daily to the control of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. You've got to surrender daily to the control of the Holy Spirit. In other words, day by day, you've got to surrender your will, your life over to the Holy Spirit so that he can abide within you. Abide within you. You know, I've heard so many Christians come up to other Christians and say, you know, the reason why you're not bearing fruit, the reason why you're not experiencing the presence or the power of Jesus in your life is because you need more of the Holy Spirit. And we just learned today that that's not true. We just learned today that the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, in that moment, you got all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. You were born again of the Spirit. So it's not about getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to get more of you. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to get more of you. That's what it's talking about. Listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The words be filled there, the way they're written in the Greek, is it talking about continuous tense. Say those words with me continuous tense. What's that talking about? It's not a one-and-done activity. It's something that you have to consistently, constantly do. Continue to be filled with the Spirit. Continue to surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit. Listen, though. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, though, the moment you receive Christ, that's a one-time event. You came to know Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came to live within you. But we live in this world. And we begin to rebel against God. We don't do what God tells us to do every day. And because we don't, we, the Bible says we grieve the Holy Spirit. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit isn't in control anymore. So guess what you got to do? you got to daily not grieve the Holy Spirit. you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is cooperating, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Surrendering your will to his. So he's in control. He's guiding you. He's directing you. He's helping you make decisions. He's helping you in the boardroom, in the, in the classroom, in, in your house, and with your family, with your parents. With your, he's helping you live the Christian life. You get independent of him, and then you short circuit. Listen to this. This is the third principle. The third principle is this. You've got to keep short accounts with God you got to keep short accounts with God. What does that mean? It means this, that the moment you sin, you immediately confess your sin and you repent. Soon as you know that you've sinned, you don't run from God. You don't prolong it. You, you admit it. You confess it. You repent of it. You repent of it. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word cleanse literally means clean slate. Many of you, when you're growing up, you probably had one of those Etch-a-Sketch. Remember that red little thing with the white knobs? And you made a mistake. And when you made a mistake, what did you do? You turned it over, you shook it, you brought it back up, slate was clean. When you ask God to forgive you, when you say, I confess your sin, slate's clean. But if you don't do that, what ends up happening is you block the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
When you have unconfessed sin, the Bible says that you grieve the Spirit. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Then it gives a whole list of things that we do in sin. When you, when you sin and you don't confess and repent, you grieve. In other words, you stop the flow, you stop the power, you stop the juice, you stop the sap from the vine to the branch, and no longer are you living under the control of the Holy Spirit. You're living in your strength, in your flesh, and no longer are you bearing fruit. Let me tell you an illustration from my own life that hopefully will help you. I was in ministry many, many years ago. And while I was in ministry, man, I was having my quiet time. I was worshiping the Lord. I was teaching and preaching the word of God. But inside, I was absolutely exhausted. I was irritable, and I was empty. And when I prayed, it was like my prayers were hitting the ceiling. When I went into the word of God, it was like I was in a desert. I wasn't being fruitful. I was barren. Well, one day I, I, I was drinking a blueberry milkshake, and I mean, I love blueberry milkshakes. I mean, they're delicious, but the problem is you can get blueberries caught in a straw. So there I am drinking this blueberry milkshake, and all of a sudden, a blueberry gets caught in a straw. I take that straw, and I <laughs> blew it right out. Now I was outside. I wasn't in a restaurant. <laughs> so there I am. I'm, I got the straw. I got it back in the milkshake, and I'm drinking it up, and sure enough, I get another blueberry stuck in the straw. Take the straw, <laughs> blow it out. And right then the Lord began to speak to me. He began to say, you know what, Ed, you know why you're exhausted? You know why you're irritable? You know why you're empty? You know why your prayers are hitting the ceiling and you feel like you're a desert every time you're in the word of God? Because you have unconfessed sin. You have unconfessed sin and you haven't repented of it. And what you have done is you have blocked the spirit of God. You haven't lost your salvation. You're still a Christian. You still are, have a relationship with me. But what you've done is you are not under the control of the Holy Spirit anymore. And because of that, you block the power. You block the, the juice. You block the sap from the vine. And therefore, you're empty. Because, see, you're living in your strength. You're living your life your way. And because you live your way, man, you're frustrated. You're irritable. You're not experiencing the fruit of, of my life. Because you have unconfessed sin and you haven't repented of it. Guess what I did? Got down on my knees and I confessed my sin and I repented of it. And it's not enough just to confess your sin. Or you could say you're sorry to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, forgive me of my sin. And he cleanses you. But remember the prodigal son. When he was in that pig pen, if he would have confessed and confessed and confessed, he would have stayed in that pig pen. It wasn't until he confessed it, confessed and repented. He got up out of the pig pen and he went back to his father. That's when he had a breakthrough. When you confess, you confess, but you better turn it around from the way you're going and you got to turn to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus, and say, God, again, I yield my will to you and I ask you to take over the control of my life, my mind, my will, my body, everything. Take it over. And when you do that, Oh, man, it's awesome. When I did that, it was like, man, all of a sudden, my, that sin was blown right out of me. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to move in my life again. And when I, I began to preach and teach the Word of God, I was empowered. When I began to read and study God's Word, I had a breakthrough. And all of a sudden, in my life, there was love. 
There was joy. There was peace. There was patience. There was kindness all the way to self-control. Why? Because I was under the control of the Holy Spirit. No longer did I have sin that was blocking the Spirit in my life. Let me ask you a question. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you bearing fruit in your life? If you were to take a moment and just look back over the last five years of your life, think about it, last five years, and then here you are today, this morning, sitting where you are. Just evaluate for a minute. Do you see yourself today thinking more like Jesus? Acting more like Jesus? Talking more like Jesus? Do you see the, the life of Jesus more being reproduced in your life? Do you see yourself acting more like Jesus to your wife, to your kids? To your husband, to your brothers, your sister, your mother, your dad, your grandparents, your grandkids, the people you work with, the people in your neighborhood, your friends, your enemies. Do you see that you are living more like Jesus to them? If not, then you've got to go back to the basics you got to go back to them regardless. you got to go back and continue to put them into practice. you got to go back and you got to be convinced that you cannot live the Christian life. Jesus is the only one that can do it. It is not natural. It is supernatural. You cannot do it in your strength. Second, you got to depend upon the Holy Spirit. you got to yield and surrender to Him so that He's in control of your life. He's leading, guiding, directing. As you make decisions in life. And lastly, you've got to keep short accounts with God. You've got to confess sin and you've got to repent of it. You'll do that. You'll bear fruit. If you don't, you'll wither away. The branch will wither and die. Listen. You just got done taking communion. And when you take communion... The Bible says that if you have anything against a brother or sister, you're not to take communion. You're to get up and you're going to go to make that right. If you take communion with blocked sin in your life, unconfessed, unwilling to deal with relationships that are in your life, unwilling to forgive, you have anger, resentment, bitterness, malice towards your brother or sister. That's called sin. So if you did that today, you sinned. And what Jesus says is that what you do is you go back and you make it right. And guess what happens? All of a sudden that anger, that resentment, and that bitterness that you have is gone. And you're not angry all the time. Is there anybody that you need to forgive? Anybody you need to deal with today? Now, I know we're doing church, and I know we're on a time. But I'm asking you today, because I love you, and God wants his best for you. But what you need to do today is you need to go find somebody and pray with them, if that's true. You need to 
sit here for a while when they're doing announcements or whatever and go pray. And if you need to, you get the phone out, you go to that person and you make it right before the sun goes down. You do that. And your life will be totally different. The flow of the Spirit of God will take over. And there'll be love, joy, peace, patience, and all the rest flowing in your life. He loves you, folks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've walked in the flesh. Lord, may they learn from me. to confess and repent and then let the Spirit of God flow in them and through them. Set their marriages, set their lives, set their families free. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.